Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we recap the last week of CFL action. No bombers in action, so what did we miss? Also, Jeremy Kaler joins me to preview the Ryder Cup on the podcast. Team win in Minnesota over my team. He said he was a nervous wreck. We talked to him last week about it. They end up getting it done just barely. What a what a weird game between two teams that just love to make their fans sad. Anyway, sports, baseball. It is the final week of the Major League Baseball season, so the Boston Pizza Sports Desk guess we're chock full of baseball tonight. Let's just set the table for you as we go into today's proceedings. Of course, keeping the closest eye on the Toronto Blue Jays, who are home to the Yankees and tied at zero in the bottom of the second. The Jays' magic number to clinch a wildcard spot is three. Right now, a game and a half up on the Houston Astros for the second spot. The Astros are a game and a half up on the Mariners for the third spot. Those two teams are playing later on tonight. Also, in the American League, Texas at the Angels. Texas with the two-and-a-half game cushion on Houston atop the AL West, atop the East. The Baltimore Orioles, two-and-a-half games clear of the Rays. Tampa up 3-0 in Boston in the bottom of the first. The Nationals at the Orioles. It's 1-0 Baltimore in the top of the fourth. Over in the National League, the Brewers clinch the Central with a win over the Cardinals or a Cubs loss in Atlanta against a Braves team that really has nothing left to play for at this point. You've also got the wild card, which is a traffic jam. I called it earlier, and I like that turn of phrase. Arizona and the Cubs tied for the second and third spots. I mentioned the Cubs are in Atlanta. They're tied at zero after one. The Diamondbacks are in Chicago to face the White Sox in a game that starts soon. We've also got the Marlins, who are a game out of that tie. They're in New York, delayed start against the Mets. And two and a half out, running out of time to make a move. The Cincinnati Reds are in Cleveland. 6-5 Guardians in the fourth, as both starting pitchers not doing it there tonight. We've also got uh, some junior hockey tonight, Manitoba Junior Hockey League. And that becomes part of the Boston Pizza Sports Desk. We've got Verdon at Nipawa tonight at 7.30 p.m. Preseason NHL games. The Jets aren't playing. Do we really care? Mm, Not really. Okay. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the coaches show is coming up. We know that at 7 o'clock. Mike O'Shea, Derek Taylor, 204-780-6868 and get your texts in now. Don't call yet. I'd wait on that. But the Blue Bombers didn't play this past week. We know that, too. So if you took the week off from watching CFL action, well, we've got you covered. It might be Tuesday, but that doesn't mean we buck tradition. It's time for the regular CFL recap as we take a look back at what happened in week 16. Let's begin in Ottawa Friday, where the Red Blacks were looking to snap their long losing streak against the Rough Riders. Seven losses in a row, five of them by four points or less. It's been agonizing, but a chance for redemption. However, it's Saskatchewan getting on the board first when Jake Dolagala hits Keon Schaefer-Baker for the opening score. But the Red Blacks have the response. An 11-play, 84-yard drive aided by three Riders penalties and capped off by the patented backup quarterback one-yard touchdown plunge from Tyrell Pigram. 7-7 after one, but it did not stay tied for long. Early in the second, Dolagala hits Samuel Emelis for a 54-yard strike. 
Brett Lawther misses the convert 13-7, now 13-8 with less than a minute to go in the first half. And Dola Gala makes a big oopsie. Picked off, return to the Riders 6. Next play, Dustin Crum to Braylon Addison. And the Red Blacks go for two and they get it. Suddenly they're up three. And now it's six because Dola Gala fumbled on his very next touch, handing Ottawa a 42-yard field goal attempt that goes through. 19-13 at the half. Now 22-14 going to the fourth when Dolagala fumbles again near midfield. Ottawa takes three plays to cash it in for six, and it's 29-14. And then another Riders fumble and another Red Blacks touchdown. It's 36-14. A few punts later, it's still a 22-point lead with just over two minutes left, and Dolagala is picked again, and this one is done. But... Remember last week when the Red Blacks gagged hard and blew a big fourth quarter lead to the Lions? That's obviously not going to happen two weeks in a row. Oh, there goes Mario Alford returning a punt, 107 yards for a touchdown to cut the lead to 16. It's fine. The Riders still have to recover an onside kick. Oh, my God, they just did it. Oh, well, it's still a 16-point lead, and the Riders haven't done much on offense. Oh, they just drove 55 yards in four plays in 14 seconds to get to the end zone, and they got the two-point convert, too? It's an eight-point game. Ottawa, don't do this again. It's okay, though. They just have to recover this onside kick, and you're good. And Oh, they did. Whew. Disaster averted. The Red Blacks do win a game. Good for them. That loss for the Riders gives hope to the Elks that if they can beat the Lions, they have a legit shot of making the playoffs. BC gets the ball to start and drives right down the field for seven. But on their next drive, Vernon Adams Jr., after throwing a TD pass to his own team, throws one to the other team. A pick six, and we're all even at seven. But then Adams redeems himself. A 57-yard touchdown to Javon Katoy. And after a big Terry Williams punt return, Taquan Mizell hits the end zone. A 13-yard dash. It's 21-7 Lions after one. It's not looking good for Edmonton, who had one first down in the first quarter. Finally, though, with 90 seconds left in the half, the Elks get it together. Trey Ford hits Dylan Mitchell to cut the BC lead to seven. They trade field goals before half. 24-17 Leos at the break. Now 24-18 when the Elks miss a field goal and then they make one. 24-21 and Mizell gets loose. 48-yard touchdown sprint the lead back to 10. And now 13 with six minutes to go. And the Elks get it closer. A seven-play, 70-yard drive sealed by another Ford pass to Mitchell. It's a six-point game with three minutes left. Elks need a stop, and after one first down, they get it. So a minute 36 to go. Elks on their own 39. A chance for another big fourth-quarter comeback for Edmonton. Instead, it's an immediate turnover on downs. Ford is sacked on third and six. BC kicks a field goal. Edmonton tries a field goal down nine on the last play of the game. It misses. All right. 37-29, the final. The Lions now tied with Winnipeg atop the West, while Edmonton, yeah, they're just about cooked. Elks and Riders, though, losing. Big news for the Stampeders, hosting Montreal on a Saturday afternoon, and after a scoreless first, Cody Fajardo caps off a 99-yard touchdown drive by standing on the sidelines and watching Caleb Evans take a third-and-one sneak from the three into the end zone, 7-0 Owls. But Calgary answers a few minutes later. Jake Mayer finishes off a long drive with a four-yard touchdown pass to Reggie Bagleton, and we are all tied until a punt single. And then another one. It's 8-8, and now 11-8 Montreal. And it stays that way at the half because Rene Paradis missed a 48-yarder at the horn. A big defensive play early in the third. Fajardo is picked. Then Mayer leads Calgary down inside the Montreal 5. Third down, they go for it. And he's picked in the end zone. Not ideal. Montreal turns that into seven thanks to a 51-yard Tyson Philpot reception. Puts the ball at the one. Evan seals it with the patented backup quarterback. One-yard touchdown plunge. 18-8 Montreal. Now 18-11 and 21-11. And Bagleton fumbles. And William Stanback gets a TD reception. 28-11. And that's it. 
That's the final. A gutting loss for the Stamps. Big win for the Alouettes in the battle for home field in the East semifinal. So could Hamilton keep pace by pulling off the upset of the Argonauts in Toronto? Yeah, we're not going to spend too much time on this one. I think you know what's going to happen here. Argos open with a field goal. The defense makes it 10-0 on Hamilton's second play of the game. Winton McManus with the 58-yard pick six. Hamilton gets on the board with a field goal. And on the Argos' next play, Chad Kelly hits to Jean Brissett for a 70-yard score. It's 16-3 after one, 20-4 at the half, 27-4 after three. Hamilton with some garbage time points in the fourth. 29-14 is the final. The Argos are 12-1. Hamilton falls to 6-8. And, and that's 16 weeks of CFL action in a buck. And so we look ahead to week 17 now in Toronto and Winnipeg is the big matchup we've been waiting so long for. <sighs> but Toronto looks like they're not going to try here. Chad Kelly not taking first team reps today. Cameron Dukes. The Argos have had everything wrapped up already. They did going into that game against Hamilton. AJ Ouellette did not play as a healthy scratch and Chad Kelly looks like might not play on Friday either so the the line has moved it was three it's now seven if you're looking to gamble on the game you would like to have that number earlier Winnipeg needs this they want to keep pace with BC heading into that game in BC next week and if you win that game boom you pretty much win the West so it's kind of bittersweet you want to beat the Argos for sure and it's going to be a lot easier for Winnipeg to do that now but as a fan, you wanted to see best on best. You wanted to see this Grey Cup rematch. They only played once last year. They only played once this year. What, what, why CFL? Why didn't you have Toronto playing Winnipeg twice? I do not understand this. Because this was your Grey Cup last year. And it was a really memorable game. Weird game. Maybe not the best played game. But it was a weird, close, down-to-the-wire Grey Cup. Two teams that have been so clearly among the best and BC, you toss them in there too. That's it. Like there's a giant drop off after that. Put them in week three. The Great Cup champion Argos didn't play in week one. They played on a Sunday in week two. There's been no spotlight for a Great Cup champion team that they are trying to make it work in Toronto. I just don't understand it for the CFL's point of view. But anyway, looking ahead as well this weekend, Saskatchewan in BC Friday. Montreal at Ottawa Saturday, Calgary at Hamilton Saturday. The CFL has published its playoff scenarios for this week, and there are a lot of them. If BC, let's start with them, beats the Riders Friday, they clinch a home playoff date. Can finish no worse than second in the West. If, uh, if Hamilton wins, they beat Calgary Saturday night in Hamilton, there will be no crossover this year. If Hamilton and Saskatchewan win, Edmonton is eliminated. A Montreal win in Ottawa clinches a playoff spot for the Alouettes. If Montreal, Hamilton, and Saskatchewan all win, Hamilton clinches a playoff spot. So does Montreal. Edmonton and Ottawa are eliminated. While this is still alive, and I hadn't even thought about it till now because this has never happened before, but an Ottawa loss and a Saskatchewan win means no East team will cross over into the West. Which, again, has never happened. So I forgot that that's also a thing. West teams always cross over into the East. There's more teams in the West. 
And so there you go. That's the playoff scenarios upcoming. Blue Bomber injury report. We'll get to lots more from the Bombers on the Coaches Show and audio for you after 8 o'clock. But Jackson Jeffcoat, full participant today at practice. Theodric Hansen, full participant. Dalton Schoen, who didn't practice yesterday. He was full today. Desmond Lawrence, full participant as well. Your calls and text to Mike O'Shea after 7 o'clock with Derek Taylor. But when we come back, what did we learn from week three in the NFL? We'll go through it next. Friday morning in Italy, the 2023 Ryder Cup gets underway to preview it. We're joined by golf writer Jeremy Kaler. Jeremy, how excited are you for the Ryder Cup? This is actually going to be a good one. Um, I, it's a great venue. Um, it looks like there's some players on fine form. And um, yeah, I'm just excited because that uh, the course is going to be the showcase. All right. So the course is at the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome. What is it about this course that you're looking forward to seeing? Well, it, there's a lot of history on the course. Um, the There's a castle on the course that dates back to like the 11th century. Um, the course is owned by a fashion designer. Um, has a, The, the uh, course itself is designed by uh, part of the Fazio family, uh, Jim Fazio. And it has crazy elevation. So you're looking at a, about 155 uh, feet of elevation change uh, from the course. Um, wonderful vistas. Um, and there's a, a lot of tough, difficult shots that are just easy enough to tempt the players into making a mistake. So the Americans come in as the reigning champions, a, a fairly uncompelling win in 2021 at Whistling Straits. 19-9 was the final there. First of all, how much of a fan are you of the Ryder Cup? Because honestly, I didn't get into it until a couple Ryder Cups ago. I, it was always kind of a black hole in my sports resume, but I've I've gotten into it a bit more as the years have gone by. How about you? You know what? There's tradition with the Ryder Cup more than the President's Cup. Um, so the history is really cool. It's always U.S. versus, uh, well, it was originally the British Isles, and then, then it turned into continental Europe as well. So out of all of them, yeah, it is It is probably the most favorite. There is a lot of media hype that goes with this. Um, there's a, a ton of uh, ton of pressure from, from the media, from all the, the uh, writers, from all the attention they get. Um, so is the hype deserved? I think so, just based on tradition. It's no different than, say, the Open or uh, the Masters. There's a lot of hype just based on, on what, it has been um, and what it, you know, the, even the, the past record, um, what has happened. Um, so is there hype? Yeah. The, the hype right now is that the U S is favored to win. Um, and if you take a look at it, I, I think they haven't won in what, 30 years in continental Europe. So um, I mean, I power to them if they can pull it off. I think that the, uh, you know, if, if you're going to bet on it, this is the, maybe the time to bet on Europe that they actually, uh, the underdogs will win. 1993 was the last time the U.S. won in Europe. Generally, the the home team wins. Uh, traditionally, it, that's that's how it's normally gone. Uh, if you go back far enough, the U.S. always won, but that that kind of ended in the mid 80s, and then the Europe started to to pick it up, and they've won seven of the last ten Ryder Cups now, but. USA, you look at the world golf rankings and Scotty Scheffler is up there, but 
who's at the top of the rankings, higher than them. There's John Rahm, there's Roy McIlroy, Victor Hovland won. The FedEx Cup finished incredibly strong. But it's not about the top, right? It's about the depth of each team. The so just to go over the the open or the major champions, Wyndham Clark, uh, U.S. Open, uh, Brian Harmon won the Open Championship, and then um, a live golfer won the PGA Champ as well as finishing. I think he was top five, maybe top three in the Masters, um, and then um, Rom obviously won the Masters. So um, you, when you take a look at it that way, in terms of you know major performances, the U.S. is definitely. Uh, oh, probably a little bit stronger. But then, if you also take a look at some of the European players and some of the depth, um, some even the captains' picks. I think the captains' picks are stronger for Europe than they are for the the U.S. It seems that the U.S. Um, chose. Uh, I don't know. They, they almost had to uh, pay favorites or something with Speeth and uh, Thomas. Um, it's a little a little odd that Bryson was left off. I thought that Bryson would have taken it taking a spot from either Jordan or Justin. But um, I think that the picks for, uh, for the European team are much stronger than the, uh, than the American team. Automatic qualifiers for the Europe team, for those who don't know, McElroy, John Rahm, Hovland, Tyrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Robert McIntyre, the captain's picks, Tommy Fleetwood, Sepp Straka, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Nikolai Hogard, and Ludwig Auberg on the American side. Scheffler, Clark, Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, the automatic qualifiers, Kepka, Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, and Justin Thomas were the captain's picks. The Thomas pick was one that caught a lot of people off guard because he has not had a very good year. And someone like Keegan Bradley, I think, was legitimately bummed that he was overlooked for this. And you mentioned DeChambeau as well. He's a, another live golfer. Um, but Kepka's in this. He was a live golfer. And it's different between PGA and and European rules to see who can qualify for this. But nonetheless, I feel like, you know, it's not going to come down to one guy getting in or not, right? Justin Thomas isn't going to decide the Ryder Cup, is he? I hope not. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would think not. Uh, I think most of the, the – the, you, you would think that the play will be kind of – or the, the, the winner will be figured out by singles. Um, now, Justin Thomas, maybe he will rise to the occasion, um, but I also don't see him being, you know, the uh, the last person out on on a Sunday, uh, on Sunday for the singles. Um, I think that it's going to be probably um, Scheffler, Scheffler, and maybe Homa and Kepka being the last three out. Uh, I can see Brian Harmon being one of the first ones out, so I don't think it's going to come down to Thomas, but. Um, you know, if if anything, having him there for his for his uh, previous experience might be a good thing. Um, with that being said, um, he's definitely not coming in on his best form. And Keegan Bradley legitimately did have a point where you know he he does have a point where maybe it was a you know a, an old as he called it an old, old boys club that he just wasn't part of the uh, part of that group. I think he's still going to cheer for the U.S. Though, do you have a, a team you cheer for? Because I generally cheer for Europe, just because we're Canada and we can't cheer for the Americans, right? Um, I don't really, I don't really have a, I don't really cheer for either one. I just want to see some good golf. I want to see some good shots. I know that's probably the, the politically correct answer. No, that's fine. Um, I don't really in when it comes to when it comes to the Presidents Cup. 
definitely am cheering for for the internationals. Um, but when it comes to the to the Ryder Cup, I don't really have have a a, a favorite. I just usually want to see you know who's coming in strong, how are they going to play, and also how do they uh, match up for the four balls and the foursomes, and um, who do they put out? You know, long hitters with maybe guys with a little bit more short game or better wedge play, or do they put two bombers out, or how do they work that out? Right. So um, I'm just I like to watch competitive golf and this is uh this is really cool to see you know it's one of those few team formats where um they say it's not about money it's about the pride but um you know it's it's uh there's definitely pride there um but for for the um the uh who's going to win or who who I'm cheering for I I don't know I wish I could, I wish I could give you an no, answer. No, you don't uh, have to cheer think? for a team to watch a sport, right? Yeah. I just generally speaking, I feel like I'm I'm rooting against the Americans a bit. I don't I don't know if that's just a Canadian thing, but uh, so to, Friday is when it starts. Four foursome matches and four four ball matches. They do that again on Saturday, and then twelve singles matches on Sunday. Do you prefer the alternate shot or the better ball format there? Um. I'm not alternate shot is nice and the four balls, which is the, you know, the lowest score is good. Um, I'm going to say the, the better ball. So it's whoever can shoot the, the lowest. Cause then if you if you have one person who can play safe and the other person who can, who can challenge with alternate shot, it's a little bit more conservative where um, you basically don't want to lose any strokes. Um, what I really wish would happen is that they would do um, a scramble format where you have a two person scramble. Um, then you could see a lot more, uh, a lot more of the players be uh, take risks and not be afraid to to challenge the course and uh, do some shots that they probably would not do otherwise. Um, Forgive my ignorance, but what's a two ball scramble? Two like so you just have the the two players would uh, hit hit tee shots and whichever is the best uh, tee shot, then they would take that and then just move on, and then you'd have a, a rule where there'd be ten. Maybe one player could have 10, 10 tee shots, and then the other player, uh, the other player would have to hit eight or something like that, right? A, a max or min. So basically, just a mini version of uh, a, a Texas scramble. Okay. Just with two players. Okay. Um, in terms of Ryder Cup experience, the European team really uh, outside of McElroy and Rose, they don't have a ton. Rom has has eight matches in his his pocket. Same with Fleetwood. Uh, on the American side of things, they really don't have a ton at all. I think that's why they went to someone like Kepka and Spieth and uh, Ricky Fowler is set three, seven and five in his career. But like Scheffler has one Ryder cup before uh, can't lay with one chef or Shoffley with one Clark Harmon, Homa Burns have never played in it before. Um, whereas the European team only has four rookies and you know, I, I, I does experience matter in an event like this? Well, the, the course, um, the open, the Italian, the Ital- I'm just gonna say the Italian Open. I forget how to pronounce it in, in, in Italian. That's fine. Um, but the uh, the Italian Open's been held there for the past uh, three years after um, doing a 12 million dollar renovation. And um, two players who are on the uh, on the European team have won um, at uh, I think it was in last year and the year before. So there's two players that have won there. Um, a lot of the European team, if not all the European team, has played in the past couple of years. So they know the course. They uh, Obviously, uh, Luke Donald has given them a heads up on 
how it's going to play and, you know, have that in the back of their mind while they were before they play the tournament. Um, which again, you, when you have, you're looking at the past three years. So that's, you know, they get there on Monday. That's, you know, anywhere from, well, two, two to four competitive rounds plus three practice rounds. So you're looking at 15 up to 15 uh, rounds uh, more than what the Americans have uh, played. So they definitely know the course. They know, they know the wind, uh, the wind's going to be this. It won't be too windy. Uh, it's only going to be about five to 10 kilometers an hour. It's going to be sunny, 28 degrees, like absolutely perfect golf weather. And the, uh, the Euro team, Euro team knows if there's a little breeze or whatever, they will have experienced it uh, to a much greater extent than what the uh, U.S. team has. All right, so we'll get you out of here on this. Who's going to win? Yeah, I'm going for the underdog. I'm going for Euro. Okay, Europe, you heard it here first. Jeremy Kaler, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and enjoy the Ryder Cup. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Jeremy Kaler, golf writer, Ryder Cup. It's going to be on early, so either set your PVR or pour a cup of coffee or two, because it's... If you have to get up for the uh, early for the British Open, move it over a time zone or two. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all that they should. So sad that they should come to this. We try to warn you all.